delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Another big week coming up and a big panel to discuss the week of motorsport with Richard Crowell, Mark Walker, and also Tom Archuli, the Doric guy, uh, joining us to have a bit of a chat about the upcoming Supercars weekend in Perth this weekend and other things as well. We'll get into that in just a minute. First of all, let's have a look at some of the news that's around the place. And of course, Formula One was the big story on the weekend, wasn't it, uh, over there in Italy in, at Imola? And it was a great win for Max Verstappen. Solid as you would like for the Red Bull team getting the 1-2. Let's have a listen to Max after that victory. Yeah, I mean, um, coming into the weekend, of course, I didn't expect something like this. But as a team, I think we executed everything very well. And that's always very hard to do throughout such a... Intense weekend with the sprint qualifying as well, um, but yeah, very pleased. I mean, of course, to score the maximum amount of points, also how the whole race went from the start to the right calls uh, with the tyres, and then also one-two at the end. So, yeah, super happy. A lot of points scored. We also needed the points, so uh, we, we look like we're a bit more back on track. But uh, yeah, we have to try and keep this going. Great job by George Russell in the Mercedes team, uh, well beating his teammate in Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion. Let's have a listen to what George Russell had to say. Yeah, it was difficult because um, the first stint was, was strong, but I had loads of understeer in the car, so I wanted to put a lot of front wing in, in the car for the, for the dry tyre, and then ordinarily you need to put a lot more front wing in the car for the wet compared to the dry, and unfortunately we, we didn't manage it at the pit stop, so I was like, bugger, this is going to be a, a difficult 40 laps, and I just had to manage that tyre because um, I wanted to attack Lando, but I knew that that front right would have just disappeared and I'd have definitely finished my battery. so you know, really pleased with, uh, with the result today. P4 was massively out of reach after qualifying after the sprint yesterday, so yeah, good, good result again. And his teammate, Lewis Hamilton. Hey Lewis, you uh, must be sick of the sight at the back of an AlphaTauri. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been stuck behind them a bit this weekend. What did the car feel like overall today? Was it just as much like it's been difficult to drive all year? Uh, the, probably the worst that it's felt. I mean, but it's similar to other races. When you see Max unlapping you, I know it's a diff- it doesn't matter who's lapping you, it's never a good feeling, but does that kind of show you how far you guys have changed over time? Um, yeah, this shows how wrong we got it. Daniel Ricciardo messed up his race pretty early, as early as lap one, smashing into a Ferrari, sort of like the drive that killed Bambi. It was with... If you saw the faces uh, of the Ferrari fans at Imola, let's have a listen to what Daniel Ricciardo had to say about that incident. Yeah, obviously, um, not not the way not the way I wanted Sunday to go. Of course, um, yeah, painful one, and uh, obviously, not the way I want to uh, affect someone else's race. So, I, I just saw his on board. I haven't seen mine yet, but originally, I, I thought I got hit, but I think that was after the fact. Like I. I touch cut like slid up into Carlos and then once he was around then I got pushed further but I, the damage the damage was done um, but uh, from memory I think I got onto the curb just to try by myself obviously a bit more space because I know at some point it's going to bottle up 
Uh, but I think, yeah, once I got on the curb, I just slid off it and then started to slide up into, into him. So uh, I think that's, that's what happened now after the fact. And uh, obviously intentions were in a way good to try and, uh, let's say, leave, leave some room. But uh, yeah, in those conditions, it was uh, obviously I didn't, didn't have the grip that I was hopeful for and uh, slid up into him and obviously ruined, uh, ruined his race as well. And then we had damage and it was a painful, painful uh, 60 laps. Big weekend coming up for the supercar drivers and for Team 18, another new livery. Scott Pye talks about that. For me personally, I'm very proud to have, have Nulon on the car as naming rights, not just for the one event either. They've committed to a number of events and I'm excited to get underway in Perth and hopefully do it justice. The season started off pretty tough. You know, there's no, no hiding the fact that Sydney Motorsport Park didn't go to plan. We made good progress though in rebounding at Tasmania. And then the Grand Prix was pretty consistent. We had some bad luck with a tyre failure in Turn 1 with some contact. But other than that, I mean, we've really rebounded, I think, since, since the first event. And to be honest, I don't think car speed's been the issue. I think we've had great car speed. We just needed a little bit more reliability. I think we're on top of that now. So I'm looking forward to, to what's to come in this championship. Mark Winterbottom, one of the few multiple winners over at Wanneroo, or the former race course known as Barbagello Raceway. Let's have a listen to what Frosty thinks about the Perth track. Uh, yeah, I, I really like um, Perth. I think it's a really good track and, um, yeah, it's been a good one for me in the past. So... Uh, I've missed it off the calendar. I think out of all of them, um, it's one that I've missed the most uh, when they take one away. So, um, yeah, to go back there is great. The support's great over there. And, uh, um, yeah, under lights is a pretty cool spectacle. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. And hopefully we can, uh, yeah, get a good result and get that car up the front. Our man Tom Archuli caught up with his man, Will Davison, to talk about this weekend. This is what they had to say. Supercar Championship returns to Perth for the first time since 2019. And joining me to preview this is Doric Ambassador and driver for Shell Beer Power Racing, Will Davison. Hello, Willie. Hello, Tom. How are you, mate? Yes, yeah, good. Good, thank you. Get him, getting over the lurgy? Yeah, yeah, no, I had a bit of a uh, bit of a lurgy after the Grand Prix and um, and the six hour at Bathurst. So, no, it's been, been nice to have a week at home and Try and get myself firing on all cylinders again. So not quite there, but I should be uh, should be perfect by the weekend in Perth. Well, qualifying's been great. Three poles in the last five races, but trying to translate to race pace hasn't been the same. So what are you doing to to, to do that? Change that up? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, good, 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 uh, good question. I wish we knew the answer, but uh, no, we'll just keep trying to control what we can control anyway. Um, and yeah, there's certainly some things I think we can still tidy up in our in our race pace and our balance of the car. So um, yeah, things are going well though. Like I obviously progressed um, year two, um, really unlocking some amazing one lap speed in the car. Um, you know, and yeah, we're just trying to understand now. You know, how we can sort of um, help ourselves in race trim a little bit, like everything in a supercar. Um, you know you've always got to, you know, give and take somewhere in your balance of the car. So um, it's not an easy fix. Our cars sort of, sort of set up a, a very particular way. And generally our strength is race pace and uh, tyre life. We have a car that actually is very good on its tyres late in the stints. It's just we're lacking lacking some peak speed um, in the early phases of the stints. So um, no, we'll keep trying to understand that. And um, we've got some ideas and thoughts and 
Um, we've got another another opportunity um, over in WA and really looking forward to it. Yeah, so we haven't been there since 2019 and that was previously resurfaced. So we haven't been there for a while. So do you expect any track changes from the last time you were there? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, the track will certainly change, um, certainly will have changed from 2019. Um, you know, WA is obviously a very extremely, um, you know, harsh environment um, with the with the, the weather. Um, it's, you know, obviously incredibly sandy and, um, you know, the tarmac always deteriorates very fast there. And, you know, it's renowned as a, uh, you know, a very abrasive surface, uh, very low grip and very high tie wear. Um, and that was obviously the polar opposite in 2019. It was freshly resurfaced. Um, it had incredibly high grip. It was very unlike what we're all used to in Perth. So now three years on, um, obviously we know the surface is still going to be quite good. But, uh, yeah, we also know from previous years when the circuit was, you know, um, resurfaced back in the mid-2000s, I think, for memory, um, you know, it deteriorated year on year. Um, quite substantially so it'll be interesting to see at, at what level um, the circuit's at um, is it still in the high the higher grip of the scale and the lower tie wear or is it going to sort of hedge its way back to the old traditional uh, Perth um, you know Perth style races where tie wear was massive um, tie degradation was high and it was a, a really unique style of racing which always turned on some exciting finishes and, and a huge strategic element to, to the race. So it'll probably be somewhere in the middle, I'll say. Okay. Well, with your, with your strong podium start to the season, you only have 69 supercar podiums and have passed Dick Johnson. Does that, does those records mean anything to you or do you look back on that when you retire? Yeah, I suppose look, look back when I retire, um, you know, every now and then I'm, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I suppose I, I reflect um, on my career, particularly at the moment where, you know, it was only a couple of years ago where I, I thought it could have been all over. And now I'm back in a position where I'm, I'm really, really realistically hungry to win. And uh, I'm finding myself, you know, frustrated with second position and, you know, really digging deep to, to operate at a, you know, a really high level and, and the best I've ever been. Um, I still feel that's there. So uh, it's all, it's all in perspective. Um, it's yeah, it's been a crazy sort of 16 years now in the sport and highs and lows. Um, you know, every now and then part of you feels like, you know, I should have achieved more. And, you know, I felt like, you know, a few journeys or a few avenues, if they went other ways, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, coulda won this, coulda won that. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, everything's an experience, everything's a roller coaster and a journey. And, um throughout every avenue um whether good or bad you you take something out of that experience and um that's the way i look at it at the end of the day there's no point looking back so um it's been a really cool ride um it's just a car race at the end of the day but i suppose i'm proud of it in a way yeah proud of a lot of things but the way i see it i'm always just looking forwards and i want to achieve more i want to be better than i am now and that's just where my mindset's at We'll talk about looking back. This this weekend is 10 years from the famous 2012 three-car FPR Team Vodafone finish where you, Frosty, and Jamie Winkup had an amazing last lap battle. Do you remember that strongly and what a victory that was for you? 
Yeah, I, I do really clearly. I mean, 2012 as a whole was a really memorable year for me, probably one of the, the most enjoyable in my career. And to be honest, this year, 10 years on, is I would say probably the closest I've ever felt to 2012. And yeah, it's scary looking at 10 years ago, it makes you feel old, but um, I feel exactly the same in the car. Um, I still have the same level of nerves. Um, I'm putting the same amount of pressure on myself. Um, and I'm still as hungry as I was then. So I take that as a good thing. I think through some of my um, misfortunes in the last few years and being in very small teams and really having to crawl my way back to this position, I think that's what's kept the fire burning and the fire alive. And now that I have this opportunity, I certainly don't take it for granted. You know, I really appreciate being in such an amazing team and being able to challenge for wins every every weekend. So um yeah, 2012, I had that continuity with a race engineer. Um, we stepped it up from 2011, um, you know, and we had a great year. And I've said all along after last year, 10 podiums, pole positions, but also the first year with the team and there's a settling in phase. Um, I said I was always excited about this year because we have that continuity and I was just excited to see what we could achieve. So um, let's hope we have more of that um, this weekend. Uh, yeah, we won both races on the Sunday there last year and um yeah it was it was it was a crazy crazy finish completely on different compound tires um perfect yeah perfect sort of spectacle and what Perth's all about to be honest so um yeah hoping for more of that sort of uh more of those crazy memories this weekend yeah you say two wins in 2012 and that famous win for Erebus in 2015 um does it give you any extra confidence going into that weekend knowing you've been so successful at Perth uh well not really. Um, every year is very unique and, and, and different. Yeah, I have some really good memories in WA. As you say, I won there in, in uh, the Erebus Mercedes in 2015 um, in much similar style, actually. You know, um, soft tyres, forced to do an incredibly long stint at the end um, and was able to make it work. And, and um, yeah, we, we knew everyone says I lucked in that day. We didn't at all. Um, we were a top five, six car. Um, that year in 15, very well-balanced car. Um, both the Saturday races, I'd been the fastest car in the last five, six laps of those races. So once I knew we had a long stint to the end in 15, um, yeah, I knew no one was going to touch us. And uh, I was able to drive it to that number. And, um, you know, Craig Lowndes on exactly the same strategy and a lot of people uh, that we, we, you know, we won that day. And that was a really special day as well. And um, but yeah, since then, the, the surface has changed. Everything's changed in Perth. It's, it's certainly not that style of racing anymore. Um, but either way, 2019 was, was reasonably solid for, for myself. Um, I think I finished fourth there maybe in one of the races. So, um, yeah, either way, I always go there full of confidence. I'm going everywhere this year, you know, full of belief that we, you know, can really challenge. Yeah, good for, thank you for that. Good week. Good luck this weekend. Big weekend. Plenty of points to get. So we'll wish you all the best and we'll see you over there. No, I can't wait. Love going to WA. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good weekend. We're going to have fun. Thanks, Willie. Thank you. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. Aussie racer Kenny Habul has been one of the high-profile entrants in the 2022 Laquie Molly Bathurst 12-hour this year, confirming his return to the race with the Mercedes-AMG, fielded by Triple Eight Racing Engineering and co-driven with Martin Conrad. 
Lucas Stoltz and 2020 winner Jules Gunon. Richard caught up with the expat Aussie from his Connecticut base to get his thoughts on Bathurst and the 12 hour and much more. Oh, for sure. Mate, it's uh, my favourite race in the, in the world. In my opinion, the best track in the world. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done okay racing around the GT Series, Suzuka and Spa and all over the place, South Africa and here and there, Daytona. But to me, it's the most special. Um, it's probably the most difficult. Mm. You know, it's, it's a very, very high speed and dangerous across the top in these GT cars. And they don't, they're very precise. So... They're not like a V8 supercar. If you get a V8, you know, a little bit sideways or sliding, it's it's pretty easy to catch, to mm. be honest. Um, the GT cars are much quicker, have more downforce, but as soon as they, they, they start to go, they lose downforce because they're not pointing straight. Yep. Um, so you've got to be real careful places like this, and the curbs are pretty tall there in different places uh, over McPhillamy and stuff. So... But, mate, I love it. You know, I grew up um, going to the races there. I worked with Brock way back since, uh, I guess it was 87. I was there when I was 14 and then came back again through my teenage years. I worked with the team in 92, 93. Uh, I was there in 97 and a bunch of years. So, And I bought the property there on Conrad, which I haven't seen yet. But yeah. <laughs> Mate, I, I'm excited. You know, it's just uh, it's been tough not having it for a few years and mm. – um, it really is my favourite track and my favourite race, so I'm just excited. I, I remember you talking about the Brock connection uh, when you were on the podium a couple of years ago. So, I mean, that that must have been a pretty special moment to get up on the podium in that race as well. Oh, man, yeah, well, that was fantastic. You know, the first, first time there since well, 20, 20 years or something since Formula Ford days, but Jamie Winkup and... Mm. Marcello and Tristan, what a team that was, and an amazing day. Just, I, I said to the guys, you could come back here for 10 years and not make the podium. You know, it's just tough. Like the last two tries for me, we were doing okay. A rocket, the radiator one time, and then there was a problem with the car another time. But hmm. to go there your first time and end up on the podium with all those guys, and I was sad about the end, you know, it was a pretty big hit up the top. Yeah. Um, you never want to see that, but. And I don't think we had the fuel to, to make it. I don't think anyone had the fuel to make it. No. Um, so who knows how it would have turned out. So, mate, it's uh, it's a, my prize trophy, that one, in my little cabinet. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It was an incredible, incredible race. So tell me a bit about the campaign this year. And you've got some familiar co-drivers to you and, indeed, the race locked in. Yeah, I'm still with AMG. They've been good to me. Um, I won the uh, Pro-Am Championship again last year with SRO, so that was nice. Got a nice trophy in London. Um, And I got a good little group of drivers I like. I sort of bounce around between the same group in AMG drivers. And then whenever there's a a Pro-Am race, I always drive with Marty Conrad. He's very quick, very good, um, sensible. So uh, he and myself, again, um, I just thought it's easier to split the bronze uh, driving time between two. Yeah. And that way you can get a little more out of yourself. Like when Marty and myself get wound up, we're pretty close to the pros. Yeah. Um, But, but, you know, I'm 49 and he's 44 and it's just four hours is hard around there. I mean, you know, four hours in Daytona is easy. Mm. Um, There's very little effort, but four hours of Bathurst – that takes a lot out of someone so uh, I just thought we'd do two hours and two hours each would be easier and then 
the AMG factory guys, Lucas Stoltz, um, great guy, just just super fast, uh, and Jules Gunon, who was Bentley factory team, now AMG. Yeah. And we like, you know, we like each other. We get along. Everyone's pretty similar in the setup. We um, generally like the car the same, and that can be a problem. Probably more with the Mercedes <clears throat> than some of the other cars because it's just it, it's it's a long wheelbase car and it's terrible understeer. Yeah. Um, in the in the tight corners and the slow corners, and so some guys like that and they drive like that. For me, I can't drive like that. It's got a turn at the front. Mm. Um, so it's a problem if you if you've got drivers that like different things. The car's kind of got to be similar for everyone. Or everyone's got to be able to get along. And, and with this group, we like the car the same way. So, mate, that helps. And 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 congrats to you know the series and and everyone in Australia that's decided to put a bronze in the race because it's just it makes it so much better for us. Yeah. Rather than you know me going up against uh, three pros or four pros. And in Jules, you've got a guy who was pretty fundamental to Bentley winning it in 2020. So it's another driver with with podium experience, and you know there's every likelihood the race will come down to the pros in the car for the final hour, like it always does. So he's a, he and sure. Luca are a pretty good good combo to have to uh, to choose to have in the car at the end. Got to be strong lineup. I don't know the other lineups, but I mean, even if we were in the Spa 24 Hour or wherever, where you have you know 60 cars or something, we this has got to be a strong lineup. So mm. I'm hopeful. Uh, it's a new car, and um, AMG are helping, and we love the place. So, <clears throat> mate, I couldn't be happier. I, I wish there was more than one race, and yeah. I wish I did the one last week. It's just hard for me to get out there. Yeah, it, it's such an incredible track, and I think. You know, when we're in Europe and wherever, you know, South Africa or wherever we are in the GT world, everyone talks about Bathurst. Mm. You know, everyone loves it, the teams, the manufacturers. So it's just a shame that this race clashes with something in Europe. I think it's DTM, um, which went to GT racing now, GT cars. But there should be more than one race, to be honest, and there should be a 24-hour. It's that popular. Mm. Um, but I see this becoming something like the Spa 24 hour, the Daytona 24 hour. There's no reason why it shouldn't be. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, joining me for a chat, we've got the the big crew, all four, having a chat today. Of course, it's Richard Crowell. Hello, Crowley. Hello, Shebex. How are you? I apologize if I don't sound particularly good. I've got, I can't believe it's not COVID because it's, it's not. not but, <laughs> It's not, but uh, apparently you can still get other illnesses in this day and age. Like after the last two years, I would have thought that all other illness had been eradicated, but yeah. uh, apparently not. So I apologise uh, if I'm not quick on the mute button if I burst out into uncontrollable fits of uh, despair. That's all right. We will forgive you, Mark Thank Walker. You. Hello to you. I believe I also had a case of the Bathurst Blues as well. I think it's just it's mass withdrawals from motorsport last weekend. Nothing on. And just your immune system stops. Yep. I think and that's it. the Doric guy, Tom Archuli. Hello, mates. Hello, Shebex. Well, I think, Mark, to overcome your uh, withdrawals, you need to be me. You need to do the Grand Prix, the Bathurst Six Hour, Australian Superbikes, and Perth four weekends in a worry. That's what you need to do. I and just, if you're still uh, alive after yeah. that, mate, you are, you are <laughs> immune to everything. Hashtag Doric guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, big weekend coming up. Of course, uh, supercars head to Perth. First time they've been there for a few years. It's going to be exciting. 
Yeah, the borders are open and supercars will head back west for the first time since 2019 at what I think could be a genuine wildcard circuit. It's a track that often produces pretty varied results. The track surface plays into that. The high deg levels plays into that. Uh, we go night racing again, so that often throws up some variables. But, um, you know, Wanneroo, and it's not Barbagallo anymore, it's Wanneroo Raceway. Correct. Uh, has the knack of throwing up some pretty crazy results. And I think anyone who was there will remember the, the Craig Lowndes burn, <clears throat> excuse me, burn from the stern the other day and the other day, the other year. Um, and it just throws up some wild stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing another short track on the calendar, which will be good fun and um, a little bit more variety in the, the racetracks in our formats after the last couple of years. You look at the record book and only three of the current drivers have ever won a race there. Will Davison's won three. I think Winterbottom's won about seven. Uh, Chaz has won one. But you're missing Scott McLaughlin. You're missing Craig Lowndes, Jamie Winkup. Even Fabs uh, is the only driver in recent years who managed to steal a win off Scotty McLaughlin when we were able to cross borders. So you don't have a lot of form guide there to go off. Obviously, uh, the record book has meant absolutely bugger all to SBG this year. It's all good saying he's never won here before, but he never won at the Grand Prix before either. And, you know, little things like qualifying last didn't seem to stop him there. So uh, you've got those sort of factors. But, Tom, one for you. It's been a few years since the circus has been able to travel west, and it's such a big market. We market what we do on being a national sport. You know, we... Uh, the one circus that travels absolutely everywhere. And, you know, for yourself this weekend, you haven't been over to Perth in a few years to entertain all your guests, especially for Doric, which is a, a company that is very much B2B focused. How, what does a weekend for the sponsorship and marketing manager look like? Yeah, Marco. Well, first of all, getting application to go to Perth is actually a challenge because you have to download the, a G2G pass and get approved. And then you've got to load every single app under the sun into your WA service pass. You've got to log in your, your, your immunity for, for COVID. And, is that and still all the thing, is it? Mate, in it WA, is, it is. It took it me is. a good half an hour to do that yeah. last night. Half that is an hour half an hour that. of your life you'll never, ever get Absolutely back. Absolutely not. Absolutely I was praying not. that whatever this thing I've got is wasn't COVID because if it was and I couldn't go, I would no, have burnt that yeah. half an hour. I've just absolutely lost downloading all their rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big weekend corporate-wise, Mark. Um, customer engagement, you know, we're in the Shell Suite this weekend. There's about 120 people there a day in the Shell Suite because we haven't been to Perth in, in three years. So it's a huge market for every one of the, all the brands that are here. And so, as you said, it's a national sport. That's why we do it for because we can take the same show across every state and territory in Australia. Um, and it's a huge weekend for us um, to get to Perth and entertain our customers for the first time since 2019. And, and, and saying that, you know, the racetrack was resurfaced in 2019 and we haven't been back there since. So we have no idea what type of degradation that could have um, happened to the track since it was resurfaced in 2019. I'm disappointed this weekend that the rulemakers have just gone with the soft tyre, not the super, super soft that'll absolutely fall apart. I mean, the soft may well fall apart because it didn't take long remember back the last repave was probably about 2011. I think it was when they um, put in the new pit buildings there. It, it didn't take long for that track surface to really start degrading again and going back to its old cheese grade away. So hopefully fingers crossed this week, whatever weather Perth's copped over the past couple of years have taken the edge off that track. And it, and it is a bit of a cheese grater and, you know, tire deg equals good racing. Well, the other thing about that is that, WA state racing has been quite busy 
over the last two years because even though they've been well and truly locked away from the rest of the world, their own state series has been quite busy and it's quite well subscribed too. So they've got lots of local racing there. So the track is busy. So that adds to your, your theory that there could be some pretty serious deg already on, on what is in theory a new surface, but uh, has actually now been well used by the locals for, for three years and we just haven't seen it yet. And speaking of that too, Brock Feeney found a nice way of learning the track by heading over and doing some radicals on Monday and getting some laps under his belt. Not a bad move. Yeah, pretty good idea actually. And and it's some pretty good heads up thinking and whether that came from Brock or whether it came from T8 or who knows, it's a, a smart way to do it. And I spoke to Brock about that and he said, I drove the track on the sim and I drove it and I thought, nah, I, I need to go and see this place. I need to try and unpick it because it's very technical. It's not a long lap, sub one minute, but there's a lot going on in that 60 seconds or so that you're barreling around there. And of course the track surface plays a role. So it doesn't matter that a radical is fundamentally completely different to a supercar to drive laps about the same speed, which is handy at that place, but he, he'll get an idea of the surface. He'll get an idea of, of even a little bit of tire deg over a 10 lap run, for example, um, and just understand everything and keep in mind that this is a short weekend. There's no Friday again. So practice one, you jump in. If you're not on the money, you're going to spend the rest of the weekend chasing your tail potentially and trying to catch up with the rest of the field. So this is another track he's never been to. It's a really smart little move to go and cut some laps. And it's pretty convenient that Arise Racing are based at the track with a bunch of radicals and it's really plug and play for them. So yeah, smart move by Feeney. I, I like it. Yeah, he'd never been to Simmons Plains before. Mm. Didn't stop him from getting a podium there. He'd never mm. really been to the Grand Prix before, and he batted well there as well and truly in the top 10. Obviously, the car is a gun, so you know that's a, a leg up in his favour, but clearly a good student and a, a good captain's call there by whoever installed him in that drive for this season because he has absolutely batted above where I, at least my expectations have been this year. Big weekend for four teams, I think, this weekend, boys. I think no wins yet. It's a track where the Fords have dominated uh, previously. Uh, Dickford, DJR and Grove, uh, they need to, one of them need to win this weekend. If, if DJR don't win a race this weekend, there has to start being some questions asked about their season because they should have won a couple of times already. I think we all agree. Um, that they they need a race win and, and probably Will Davison more than Anton Di Pasquale in many ways, but um, they've, they've got to start delivering on this promise that they've been showing huge one lap pace, great stuff, but they just have not been able to convert yet. And if they go another weekend without nailing one. I don't know. You can only cop honorable losses for so long, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Exactly. And I mean, you look at that that team, and it's almost like they've flipped roles this year. Where Willie's now the good qualifying guy; he's been up there, nabbed three poles in the past two race meetings. And um, then you look at Anton; he's been accumulating the points. He hasn't necessarily been getting the second places that Will has been getting, and he's now second in the points sort of thing. Which was Willie's role last year was out there just accumulating, picking up points. And it's as if they flipped a switch there and um, gone backwards. But obviously, I think that. That knowledge that Will has, that knowledge of nursing your tyres and getting a long stint out of it will definitely play in his advantage this weekend. Yeah, 100%. I think 
you know, he's got three poles in five races, uh, the last five races, and has won 2012 and 2015 at Simmons, uh, sorry, at, uh, at Gallo. He's now Wanneroo. Oh, Wanneroo. Now Wanneroo. Uh, so he's got to be within the, the top three favourites for this weekend to, to get a race win. You know, they're struggling really with turning the tyres on to use a F1 Mercedes turn where they just can't get it started. And their, their longer race pace is great, but the first four or five laps in a sit, they just can't kick up, keep up with uh, Shane and Chaz. And that's where they're losing track position. So, you know, it's a big challenge for them this weekend. If they can get a win, it'll get their season kickstarted, that's for sure. Yeah, we've got to explain. Doric Inside Line magazine will be coming out this week, and it does explain the history of Wanneroo or Barbagallo Raceway. It was known as Barbagallo because... Alf Barbagallo bankrolled that little shortcut up the top of the hill, mm. which allowed them to run night racing and truck racing and also the track in reverse where they did a little uh, chicane down the main straight and went up the hill backwards sort of thing. So obviously whatever sponsorship arrangement was arrived at there might have been 30 years or so, it's expired and now it's back to Wanneroo. What a damn area. shame. Well, for Barbagallo just rolls off the tongue. There's no doubt about it. Hey, time for a quick uh, episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You've mentioned the fact that uh, three drivers have won at this track, current drivers at the moment. The question for a million dollars for either one of you, first in with the buzzer gets a shot, name the four drivers who are still competing with the same team that they did last time when they were driving at Wanneroo. Actually, we'll say five drivers because one's a bit of a special case. Hmm. Anyone on the buzzer? Tom's on it. So, Macca Jones. Mac Jones was a BJR, correct? Shane. Shane was a Triple Eight, correct? Cam's at Tickford. Yep, correct. And who's the other one? Oh, this is a podcast where someone's saying Winterbottom? Yeah, Winterbottom's another one. Yep, he was a teammate at. Now, the fifth one is Todd Hazelwood, who was at uh, at Matt Stone Racing. Yeah. But, of course, had two years at BJR before going back to Matt Stone Racing, which oh, is who yeah. you raced for last time he was at Wanneroo. Yeah. So yeah. Do, I, do I win a million dollars or do I just get nothing? No, no, you get stuff all. But okay, thank you. I was only joking about the million. It's pretty <laughs> big stakes, really, wasn't it? You really <laughs> it was like, there. But you didn't get it. You got help. It was like, there was no photo no, frame. That wasn't allowed. I thought the voice of the MCG could have some clout. No, <laughs> With no, the bank, believe money. me. <laughs> it's truth. <laughs> what are we going to expect uh, effectively racing-wise from the guys that do know the track, the guys that have been there before? Are they going in there with data that's going to be helpful for them or is no. everything just out the window? Well, I, a little bit, but probably not much because a lot's changed with the package since we last raced there. Tyres have changed. Uh, car aero packages changed on the cars. Everything um, moves on, doesn't it, Rich? Models have changed. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a very different looking championship to what it was. So I, I, it's it's not a clean sheet of paper for everybody, but it's a relatively, it's not a messy sheet of paper. I think it's a it, it's a, an open opportunity for people. If you get it right in practice, you're going to be on the money. But these people have got to start beating the 97. The, and and I know we're only four events into the championship now, but it, it's we're not far away from the halfway point of the championship. You know, from here we go bang Winton, bang Hidden Valley, and then we're we're literally at the halfway point by Darwin. And Shane is already 150 odd points ahead of the rest of the field. He's not far away from being two full races up on the field. So I know it's early to start talking about championship, but they've got to start putting pressure on this weekend 
to try and tip that momentum away from car 97. But I think the biggest fear that everyone's got is that young Brock's going to get his act together every race rather than just one here or there, like he's been doing. Um, and you could end up with the two Red Bulls back at the front as if it was Wink Cup and SVG doing the driving. So they need to capitalize on Triple Eight being a one and a half car team at the moment now. They've really got to capitalize on that, knock them off now, because by the time we get to Darwin, I don't think any of us doubt that Brock Feeney is going to be a pretty regular contender for, uh, for race victories, especially when we get to circuits like Townsville where he's done plenty of laps. Is it going to be a case of this is a bit of a lame duck here? You know, we, we said it from the outset. We know that we've got new regs coming in next season. Correct. How much are people going to have their foot off the gas looking to the future? Well, we could pump money into trying to chase down SVG or we could save our, our bickies for next year. I think the answer to I that agree. is I think the answer to that is is Grove Racing, who are throwing upgrades at their car and now at the moment are probably the best forward team in race pace. And you, you look at David Reynolds, DNF in race four in Melbourne, but before that, counting backwards, went third, second, second, fourth, third, back to race two at Simmons Plains. Hmm. So arguably the form driver in the championship outside of SVG at the moment. And they're, they're, they're throwing everything at it. So I think they see opportunity, maybe while some are taking their feet off, they're seeing opportunity to capitalize on that, confident enough that they've got the resources to, to get Gen 3 going at the same time. How's your ticket meter, Krause? How's my what? Your ticketed pressure meter for this weekend. Oh, it's pretty it's pretty high, isn't it? But it's been high every weekend this year, I think. Um, so where are they? Cam Water seventh in the championship, one podium finish. Results of eighteenth, twenty first, eighth and seventh at Albert Park. Not real chop good chop there, is it? Um, and then the next best is what, James Courtney in fourteenth. And again, flashes of brilliance there, but no real consistent results. So they're under serious pressure. But I, I think the pressure from them within the four camps coming from Grove Racing, the Penrite cars, because at the moment they're a better package. And you take those last six races in isolation and Reynolds has smoked the Tickford guys. He's miles in front. I'm just throwing it out there now that regardless of what Tickford do this weekend, we need to get Tim Edwards on next week. He's a sharpshooter. He'll talk to us. And just exactly find out what's happening. Mm. No use us keep speculating week in, week out. They're, they're obviously, there's obviously something happening. That they, they can't go around and say, well, no, everything's fine, because no, it's not. Correct. I mean, you look at the point standings counting backwards from the bottom. Jack LeBrock's winning the, the reverse championship at the moment. He's had a few shockers and been taken out a few times. Then you've got Tickford, Tickford and 23rd, 24th. Then you've got... Uh, uh, the team Zibris there and Jacobson and Pitha 21-22. Then you've got four Brad Jones racing cars up to 17th. Aren't, aren't Brad Jones punching down at the moment? That's a team that, you know, we know they've got the potential to go out there and win races. We've seen it in recent years where they've contended, but they just haven't uh, put any runs on the board so far, have they? It's a yeah. big weekend for Will Brown, boys. Yep. He's, he started the championship strong, finished it strong last year, um, you know, off contract this year. Um, you know, there's some drives out there. Uh, he's got to perform, I think, to put himself back in. And I didn't think any of us would say that he would be outperformed by Brody in the first three rounds this, this year. And he definitely has been outperformed by uh, his teammate uh, this season so far. The thing is, everyone's just lacked consistency this year. Like, there's been whole heap of guys that have been able to get up there in the podium, but no one's been able to do it consistently except for SVG. And that's across the board. Everyone's had shockers. Mm. 
Well, do you know, the most consistent yeah. driver, I reckon, in the championship Slade. is Tim Slade. Exactly right. You read my mind. You look at his results. 8th, 10th, 11th, 15th at Simmons Plains in race two. Not great. 11th, 4, 8, 7, 4. But uh, you get the average there outside of Shane. He's right up there for the championship so he far. Did, he did almost have an aeroplane crash when he finished. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that 15th is a good 15th. It's like, wow, I can't believe he finished 15th despite, yeah, having a plane crash. Yeah, amazing. No, you're right, 100%. And and we touch on this all the time, that consistency is so uh, critical to this championship. But And again, you, you take the last six races in isolation, like D Reynolds, it's, it is quite literally and um, Shane first, Reynolds second in the championship if the championship starts in race two at Simmons yeah. Plains, which is amazing. You the others... Sorry, there, Shabet. You, you look right. at, at at Slady. Yeah, it blows my mind. I mean, if he comes into this weekend with no notebook, though, does he? Because mm. that team has never been there before. So, how are they going to roll out? Well, that could help them. Like, it could this be a complete? We're just going in and attack it as we normally do, without any preconceived notions of what the car likes or needs here. So, it may work for them. One thing did work in their favour is that car did. Drive did, did race there in 2019 at the hands of Will Davison, and Brendan Hogan was the engineer for that car, who is actually the team manager of Cool Drive. So they do have some knowledge of that car mm. at that circuit. They deserve a podium. I mean, no one deserves yeah, a podium, do. but they, they, I, I'd love nothing more than to see Slady on a podium at some point this year in supercars and, and Timmy Blanchard as well. Like that, that little squad, what they've achieved in the last two seasons is pretty awesome. And, it feels like a, a trophy would be just such a good payoff. There, there'd be no one in the paddock that I know that would begrudge them that for the effort that they're put in. I I'm thought. not sure if there'd be too many that would begrudge them a win. I reckon no. a podium, you, you, you're downplaying it a little bit. They, mm. They've been good enough at times to be winnable for sure. Yep. Yep. Hey, uh, the other thing to throw into the mix also this weekend is the, uh, the super sprint uh, effectiveness of the weekend. Of course, just racing Saturday and Sunday, night racing on Saturday night and two races early-ish in the, uh, in the day over in Perth. Uh, all makes a bit of a difference as well, doesn't it? Do you know my problem with this, Shebex, is yeah. that... Oh, no, I don't actually. Tell me. No, well, and I'm about to tell you. The, this event and Tasmania are, A, very costly events to go to. Tasmania, you've got to freight the cars over Bass Strait. Uh, Perth, you've got to ship them 2,500 Ks. Um, further than any other event. And they're both playing to an isolated fan base that doesn't get a lot of national level racing. So why cut it short? Is it a cop out that we're going there and delivering a stock standard super sprint format? Okay. There's a Saturday night race. That's cool. That's great. Part of the reason, in fact, I reckon a lot of the reason they're doing that is because it's amazing for TV on the East coast, bang in prime time and will rate it's rate it's you know what off. So my, my thought is do, and, and at the risk of having yet another super something format, do we need a format to take to these events to go to the local people? Hey, this is why you should spend a couple of hundred bucks on tickets or corporate with Tom or whatever it may be to go out and see the racing. Are we giving them, is it a cop out that we go all this way and only race for three, one hour races? I don't know. You know, they ran the two-race format last time they were there. Yeah, okay, cool. But I don't mind having more races, even if they're a bit shorter, because what's the most exciting part of any race? Well, it's the start. The more starts you get, the better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, but 
but maybe there, there has to be something different. But I think what it needs, and, and we've seen this with the ARG event down at Race Taz as well, it, it, there's got to be a point of difference. So it's like the Adelaide 500 was two tough 250K races. You know, Bathurst is 1,000K, Sandown was 500Ks. It gave people a reason to go. It made it feel like something special rather than just another stop on the tour. And my argument would be that these markets, which are diehard motorsport markets, like Tassie and WA are two of the best motorsport markets in the country, you'd argue, that are starved of this stuff, that maybe we need to do something different to give it that we're bringing something special to town. So whether it's the Perth 1000 or it's the Perth 750 or the, you know, 397.5 or whatever it might be, I don't know. But I, I just think that we're shortchanging the customers over there I sound like Scafey saying that, don't I? I'm sorry. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we, sh- we might be shortchanging them. I don't know. Certainly they should be running Friday for sure. And the, and the Saturday is such a long day. Like they, the supercars practice starts at 10 a.m. Mm. and races at 6.40. So it doesn't finish till you well, know, eight, seven, eight, eight, 7.30, 8 o'clock. So back it's, on track by 9 o'clock the next back morning. Back 9 o'clock the morning, next morning. So the schedule doesn't make much sense for the supercars teams and they're obviously getting there a lot earlier. Mm. Um, and like it's not like they go a day later than normal because they're still doing commercial stuff. So, you know, it doesn't really change too much. Like it makes it makes it harder for the teams, yeah. But I think it does shortchange some of the, the, the local fans who should get you know some practice sessions on the Friday to at least you know and then give some support categories more time on track mm. um, and then more time on the actual Saturdays and Sundays when people are more likely to be watching. My problem with Wanneroo, I was nearly going to say Barbagallo. We've been through that. Um, <laughs> is the fact that they buggered that track when they put that new pit lane building in the infield because that used to be such oh, good spectating yes. down the yeah. bottom of the hill there yeah. where you could see two-thirds of the track. And it was awesome. Like, it was a really good spectator area there. Now, unless you're right on the point uh, down at point turn one there where you can sort of see them come down the pit straight and then scoot up the back sort of thing, there's no other good spectating there. And that's where... Uh, you know, chasing few in a corporate box that Doric used to run down there, but uh, it, it's, it's. I feel sorry for the fans over there in, in WA because they're absolutely caught, you know, got the short end of the stick with this new track layout. Now, I don't want to be pedantic, Richard, but races 10 and 12 are one hour long, race 11 is one hour and five minutes. So there's a little bit oh. of a difference there. We're giving them something. Sorry, those extra five minutes could be all the difference <laughs> for tire dig. So, you know, hopefully. Hey, uh, how many times are we going to see Carl Rylan's car blow up? Uh, it'll get rolled out pretty quickly. A few times, you reckon? It's already done the rounds on the socials, I've seen. Is is Noonan still on the payroll for that? Does he get a commission every time they play I that? He, I think he hopes he does. <laughs> it was an unfortunate thing, wasn't it? It was so lucky. Oh, so you, lucky. You've you got to find the, uh, the YouTube clip from the media centre where David Siegel provides the great commentary. Red flag. That's it. Such good commentary. Yeah. yeah. Tremendous. I'll look for that. Yeah, but I think that, that was a pretty – we had a corporate suite that day and it happened just out obviously where it happened and then they wheeled the truck with the car back on it behind the back of the um, the old pits there mm. and the poor thing was uh, was burnt to a crisp. Yeah. What yes, else are we looking forward like to? He wasn't. Yeah, oh, yeah, correct, correct. What else are we looking forward to? I'm looking forward to uh, – WA had, traditionally has had very good media centre catering. Oh, yeah. uh, the WA Sporting Car Club traditionally put on a really good feed, so looking forward. Oh, to yeah, that. that's true. The great, um, uh, the great Van Leeuwen family have a, a long role there, and um, 
I'm sure it'll be uh, it'll be Rob, won't it, in the media centre, Rob Van Leeuwen. So looking forward to that. That'll be good fun. Will this be AVL's first race meeting for three no, years? No, he came to Perth. So. He did? No, no. Uh, he came to Sydney, sorry, at the start. So he did, okay. Once Was that the Grand Prix? Yeah. He won some oh, Supercar okay. Media Awards. Yeah, yeah. But the, the supports this weekend. So we've got Super 2, Super 3 rolling up. Uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, 20, what, 7 car field, I think, which is pretty good. So that'll be busy. Yeah. 10 Super 3 cars and the rest DS2. So that'll be that'll be good fun. That's that's a championship that we probably haven't had quite a good... I mean, they went full Super 2 at Sydney, didn't they? Like, mm. it was just complete cliche. When they were racing, it was brilliant. But then all the rest of it was them crashing into each other or crashing into walls or doing stupid things. It was just full DS2. So hopefully we can get some good clean racing from them. And the thing is, this weekend, even for the supercars, it's the sort of track that does bring out a safety car or two, more so than some of the circuits we've been to so far. You know, you've got all those bunkers there and they definitely catch people out. Historic touring cars, radicals and utes, super utes. Yeah, I think they're bringing 16 of those over, so their field's mm. gradually growing. Yeah. Um, I think they've lost one since Simmons Plains, but... Uh, are we whelmed no. by them yet, or is it still no. underwhelming? No, we, the thing was, oh, it'll be all right once there's a lot of them on track, and now that there's Well, will more, it really? Seriously, will it? Uh, no, just, no, but, but now, get... now we're at twice where we were, and it's no better, really. I mean, the, the whole V8 Utes, they set the yardstick so high because that was... So easy to repair those yeah. boards. You just put a new back on it. You just throw it away. Start again. You get the backs for free. So you'd go out there and you'd back your Falcon into everything. It was just a good time out crashing your V8 Ute. But these things are, are expensive race cars, aren't they? And they're just, they're not quite as competitive up the front. I mean, it's good that they spit flames, but I don't know. They're not doing it for me. No. Oh, jumpy uh, trucks. Jumpy trucks or no. V8 Utes. Uh, jumpy trucks for me. Oh, every day. Yeah. Mm. Just for the value, the entertainment value. They'll be back to Yeah. Oh. Jumpy trucks. Give Ooh. it time. There you go. Nice. Hey, uh, give me a winner. Oh, Shane, obviously. Shane. Yeah. Shane, Shane. Oh, mate, only by half a lap this time. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. You'll so start last, win by 30 seconds. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, uh, some other nice racing last weekend. Uh, Formula One's. Yeah, the Grand Prix made in Italy, Emilia Romaglia Grand Prix, uh, which was quite good. Decent race, a uh, bit going on throughout, started in the wet, dried. Um, I think the biggest moment was Charles Leclerc throwing it away from a, a safe third position. Yeah. I, I don't like. I, I don't mind it, to be honest. I, I thought it was all right. I like the fact they went to the soft tyre. I like the fact they went after pace and had he not chucked it up the road, he probably would have passed Checo and finished second. And we're four races into a 23 race world championship. It doesn't really matter. You know, he had a 40 point lead coming into it for crying out loud. So I think that was, that was good. It was a pretty decent motor race. Um, the interesting thing for mine was watching the broadcast and the commentary around DRS not being open. Yeah. Which I thought really undersold the product that was on screen at the time because it went on for so long as well, was, the conversation. Yeah, it did. They waffled. Uh, but it was a pretty good race. Now, Imola has always been a really hard place to overtake, regardless of what's going on. Um, but I thought that that race did a pretty good advert for 
Ross Braun and Pat Simmons and the new regs that they've generated because they could follow closely. And you got a toe, you, you towed up behind them into the turn one Tamburello chicane and you had a go and maybe you didn't pass, but it's a tough track to pass on anyway. It's really tight. So I thought it did a disservice to the F1 regs because the cars could follow closely. I thought it was a tick for them. And do you know what changed when they did finally turn DRS on at about lap 32? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that battle stayed exactly the same. So, and Hamilton still couldn't pass Pierre Gasly. So I thought it was a pretty good ad for the, the current regs. It was, you know, it wasn't filled with overtaking, but it was a pretty intense, tough, hard fought motor race. The, the Imola GP made me uh, respect and admire Martin Brundle more because he wasn't there. You know, his commentary, yeah. he's one of the he's one of the greatest co-commentators of all time in any sport. Um, and I board race is, you know, not bad, but you know, that that Martin would never let something like that go on for 20 laps. He mm. would have cut that short and talked about something different. Well, why the fact that George Russell is absolutely smoking his teammate, who's in that seven-time world champion, um, and his team boss is apologizing to him when he comes 13th or whatever it was, and his teammates come fourth. I think it just exposes the chronic underuse of M. Weber as an expert commentator. I reckon. Well, probably a little bit biased though. He'd need a main commentator though. Um, so two teammate battles that I'd like you to talk about. McLaren, clearly Norris up there on the podium getting mm-hmm. it done. And that's a team that's come from P nowhere. You know, they obviously stepped up at Albert Park and they've stepped up again. But then McLaren, uh, then uh, Mercedes as well. You know, George Russell is smoking Lewis at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. The, yeah. Whether you like Nico Rosberg or not, and whether you feel his contribution to the broadcast on the weekend was worthwhile or not, is entirely beside the point. What I did kind of enjoy was the fact that, what, seven years on, uh, he's still absolutely sticking the knife in wherever he possibly can to his old teammate, Lewis, who he beat and then hung up his helmet so he couldn't be beaten again. Um, and I thought George Russell handed his post-race interview with Rosberg really, really well. Um, he sort of skirted around the edges of saying, yeah, I'm smoking my teammate, which he is doing at the moment. So I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was really Danny, good. Danny Rick just needs a clean weekend. Like yeah. every he had a clean weekend in, in, in Australia and he finished right on Lando's tail. He was right on Lando's tail at the start of the qualifying sprint race and then started six when Lando was fourth. Mm. And then he makes a, a silly mistake or little mistake that can happen in the rain. I think he was too conservative. He probably could have braked deeper into the turn one and kind of like ran Carlos a bit wider like, you know, Max did to Lewis last year at the same track and could have easily finished, you know, fifth or fourth instead of, you know, damaging his car and basically coming P nowhere. So, you know, I think he just needs a clean weekend to be able to challenge Lando. And Lando's giving clean weekends, not making mistakes, while Daniel isn't at the moment. Daniel became the bloke that killed Bambi, didn't he, on the weekend? Yeah. The, the faces of the, 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 the fans yeah. around the track, they were gutted. It's probably lucky he's half Italian, so he can kind of get away with it. <laughs> I was thinking I missed some sort of deer strike incident yeah. there, but anyway, that's good, good that that didn't actually happen. Uh, even like Huss, they're still competitive. You know, you mm. look at yeah, they uh, Alfa Romeo and Bottas are still in the mix as well. I'm loving Kevin Magnuson's driving. He's just doing a great job at the moment. Well, it, it's for mine another tick for the rules, and it probably hasn't been discussed enough that it, it has drawn those teams a little bit closer. But like you look at 
Alpha Tower even are fast, and Yuki Sonoda had a really good run. Actually, Yuki smoked his teammate. So, yeah, um, little Japanese dude's doing a really good job at the moment. I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of his. He's a great, fun little race car driver, Tommy. Well, we're four races in, and every team scored a point. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, a good point. And that hasn't happened for God knows how many years where you look at the, you know, you're at Hungary at round 10 and you've still got two teams of, you know, zero and they're giving them ninth in the constructors because they finished 11th in one race. Now they've mm. actually got points. Like even Aston Martin, who hadn't, who's been nowhere, got eighth and 10th on the weekend and now they've got five points in this constructors championship. So, you know, that's definitely a tick for the new rules, Grousey, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Off to Miami for their next race in F1. Tommy, I see that uh, Superbikes have had to change their finale for 2020 due to the new dates for the Adelaide 500. Yeah, so the uh, ASPK ASPK roundup event was uh, supposed to be the same weekend as Adelaide 500. So uh, we discussed that on the weekend and the the press release came up today where they've moved it to the week before. Um, And this event usually gets Jack Miller to to race and there is uh, some rumours around that Jack may bring some mates with him this year. So there could be an expanded international field as guest riders for that ASBK event before the uh, Adelaide 500. So it's always a good event down there and the Adelaide crowd definitely get into the ASBK event at the bend. So Jack Miller plus more potentially uh, at that event. You're at a Wakefield Park for the round of the weekend. How was the vibe out there? Yeah, Wakefield Park, a great little racetrack. You stand at the exit of Turn 1, entry to Turn 1, sorry, you can see the whole track. Um, and the crowd on there was probably around the, the three to 4,000, a bit, bit, 10% more than there was previously the last time we were there. So a uh, good weekend for racing. Uh, Mike Jones on the Yamaha is leading the championship and he's changed from Ducati previous season and he's definitely stepped up and he's dominating with Wayne Maxwell, who is a two-time defending champion. So... Big uh, championship round coming up next in Darwin where they join the supercars for the two plus four round uh, in Darwin in June. Now, you've actually claimed Motorsport Photo of the Year. It's on the racetalk.com yes. right now. Mm. Tell us, how'd you do it, Tom? I mean, I, I'm here just a battling amateur photographer. How do you do it? Stand in the right spot with a camera that works and hopefully someone falls off and follows them with the camera. So check it out on the race talk. Got my photo of... Uh, Poor Mark Kyoto flying through the Was he all right? We track. didn't actually put that in the report whether he survived it or not. No, he's okay. He's all right. Oh, thank he, God for that. He's all right. He's okay. It's just a shame he can't win an award at the uh, V8 Supercars Awards tonight. Oh, it would have really annoyed some people. It would, but that's all right. We can find a way to get it into Rex. You and I have some influence in that, yeah, I think. We, do. <laughs> we can make things happen. Oh, I'm not sure um, how much any, I have anymore, but. Tommy, any. Uh, any Goulburn City Council members hanging around? Uh, any noise meters perhaps seen on the weekend? What's the what's the latest vibe from them with their ongoing legal dramas? Well, I think because it was a weekend, they were okay. I didn't see too many uh, Goulburn City Council people around. But one thing I did complain about was the fact there's no phone reception. Yeah. Like, literally, you cannot use your phone at that racetrack to save your life. But, yeah, there wasn't too much controversy from uh, the Goulburn City Council trying to close it down this weekend. Mm, okay. Hey, uh, Mark, I was interested in your uh, little message to our group chat, one of the more exciting NASCAR races you've seen for a while. It was interesting, uh, Talladega Super Speedway, and it was actually the longest green flag run at a Super Speedway race since 2004 to, to finish Crazy. the race. The, the third and final stage went green the whole way, which uh, was interesting. 2004, uh, was that the year that Will Farrell was there? Well, no, it was about 2007. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah, he was, was thinking about it. Uh, interesting race. Um, yeah, went right down to the wire and the watermelon man, Ross Chastain, uh, with his second victory in just a handful of races for essentially a first-year team at Trackhouse. Uh, pretty massive result for them. And he just fluked it. He absolutely fluked it. He, he did nothing. He nearly caused a few big wrecks, but uh, he just did straight while everyone just drove out of the way. So he just uh, wound up winning the race by accident, which was fantastic but you had guys like Kyle Larson up there at the front he was due he was absolutely on for a win but uh he was too busy blocking and forgot that uh car number one was there but uh yeah nice clean run you know it was just two trains it was hard to get a break it was hard to make moves you know often with those super speedway races it's all about you know getting in position but there was not much you could do with the draft with that package I didn't mind it I thought it was entertaining having uh, two trains go around the racetrack for 80 odd laps or whatever it was in that last stage. I thought that was pretty decent, but uh, each to their own. And that rolls on to Dover now. So another new package, uh, the Monster Mile concrete track, something different. But I think this new package, the new generation car that they're running over there seems to be doing a decent job for them. Well, the other thing that I thought was a great story was that the car that Trackhouse Racing won with yeah. on the weekend was the same car that he won with at coda a couple of weeks ago on the road course so that's a big tick for, yeah. for gen 7 and what they're trying to do to cut some costs out of the sport they don't have to build a, a dedicated road course car and a dedicated super speedway car which they'd used to do in the past i thought that was a really interesting little mm. uh, little statistic uh, that that those cars now the aftermarket value of a nascar is going to go through the roof like our dreams of buying a five thousand dollar nascar will disappear because all of a sudden these cars are going to have providence because they're not going to build <laughs> 4,000 of them in a season to run one at an intermediate track and one at the dirt and one on the on the road course. So, yeah. Really I know a bloke who's selling a NASCAR if you want to buy one. Do you? Do you actually really? Is it the one that's trying to be sold to Richard Crail at the moment? I don't what know. Be? Who is it, Shebex? <laughs> no, let's save that for after the podcast. I don't want our uh, listener to uh, beat me to the punch there. Let's uh, let's let's talk. Problem, let's talk. Hey, yeah, uh, before the, sorry, lots of space on a NASCAR for some Doric signage too. It looks oh, sensational. Yeah, we need to junk it, don't we? Really, definitely. The big but, font. Hey, uh, before we go, the boys got to cut some laps at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, also, and uh, Scotty McLaughlin put in some good times. Yes, he was fast. Uh, I think thirty-seven days now until the five hundred. So really looking forward to that. But more to the point, the IndyCar Circus is off to Barber. Um, Motorsport Park in Alabama this weekend, which is cool. Uh, it's been sold out on Sunday, which is really impressive. Indy Lights so, as well. Indy Lights there. So our boy Hunter will be on the charge. We're looking forward to seeing how Hunter will go there and, and to make up for uh, what was an unfortunate little miscue at the end at St. Pete, but he's got the car speed, we've got no doubt, to uh, to win races. So really looking forward to that and what's a pretty compelling IndyCar championship this year. And, and the man who was our boy before we now got another boy. Jack Brabham also. Uh, Jack Brabham. Jack. Jack. He, no, was, he, he was our boy <laughs> since before I was a boy. Matty His Brabham. grandson might be there, Matty. Yes. Yeah, yeah. no, he well, leads the championship. He won the yes, first he race. Yes, yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, they had a test a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, and uh yeah, Hunter's pretty uh pretty fired up this weekend to to put wrong what happened at uh St. Pete. Um Richie, can I suggest you take your passport with you to Perth just in case you need it? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I just, well, it's loaded into my app, Shebex. I've seen my correct. app. I've, I've loaded it into my app, so I've got it on, on the uh, WA service app now. So cool. You know, that's, that's, the, the, that's the one thing that 
I don't like about going to Perth. I like Perth. It's a great place, but you're sitting on a plane for five hours and you don't get duty-free from it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that 100%. And I'm already halfway, so, <laughs> but still. Have a great weekend and look forward to talking about it next week. Thanks, boys. See you guys. Mm. And see we'll ya. see you too. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.